This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway today to get access to BSBOT, ad-free episodes, the Discord, and more. We've never had more Patreons than right now, and I cannot thank you all for the support. I will thank you again at the end of the show. As for now, we have Vince Mercargliano of Loha.com on the show today. You ever heard of him? Good beat writer for the New York Rangers. We discuss a lot of, hey, is there any complaints, and much more with Vince. And then we talk about, in the beginning of the show, Temi Panarin. Again, ever heard of him? Another player that maybe isn't getting the coverage he deserves for the season they're having. The Rangers are good, I'm pretty sure. I think the team is good. We'll discuss all that and answer a ton of five-star questions and more, but further, without further ado, here is Mark Messier talking about this podcast. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to our look at the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Brian Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Ugh. Yep, too, team's too good. What else do you want to say? Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> one of these days, we're going to be happy on a Monday. You know what the nice thing is? I'm happy. I, it's, it's really nice going into these podcasts knowing the Rangers aren't playing on Monday, which apparently is their death day of the year because they they're 0-2 they, on Monday. Almost lost to the Sharks. That's okay. <laughs> they didn't. Uh, they've won since we last left our heroes. They've lost five, one to the Buffalo Sabres. We recorded about that. Then they beat the Detroit Red Wings, uh, came back in Nashville and then on back to back beat the Sharks while being up three goals and then made it interesting as they tend to do. That Sabres game feels like it was seven years years ago, literally years ago. Uh, That was a game that in the moment it happened, no one thought it mattered at all. And it, (laughs) it did it. Uh, I do want to start with a conversation that I think is at least a tiny bit interesting because uh, as we we'll talk with Vince Mercogliano today, it's a great interview, a lot of good tidbits from him. Not a lot to complain about right now, so I can't complain about the Rangers. I will complain about the media. Oh like, boy, that's what I can do. I like uh, how Vince is on this episode, and we waited until it. we're not talking to Vince to complain about the media. No, just, I don't know. Just so it, I have it straight. No, no, no. No, I, I keep going. I like it. All right. Yes, it's true. Well, I guess it's more about Artemi Panarin's coverage overall in the NHL. Right now, he's actually sixth best uh, odds to win the heart. I thought that was a little bit higher than I expected. Uh, he's also not getting any heart coverage kind of whatsoever. Connor, Connor McDavid, by the way, obviously still has the best odds somehow, plus 340. Again, and, uh, important to remember that when it comes to, in terms of online sportsbook betting or casino sportsbook betting, the odds are also a reflection of where the most money has been wagered to this point. Yep. So before the season started, everybody and their mother put a ton of money on Connor McDavid to win the heart because, of course, they did. It made the most sense in the world. So his odds are going to take a very long time to properly reflect whether he's having a good season or not. Right. Our time ranks sixth after Pasternak, uh, Hughes, Kucherov, Matthews. Quinn Hughes, right? No, Jack. What? Jack, yes. Are you sure? I have it up. I have it up. Well, that's just incorrect. It's insane. It's actually crazy. And it should be Quinn Hughes. You are correct. But it's not. Um, Kamakar isn't even in the top six. So these are the odds of, as of today. I'm looking up on this betting website currently. Uh, but it, it is, Artemi Panarin is, I, I wouldn't say dragging the Rangers. Everybody is con- contributing right now. 
but he's having one of the best seasons, if not his best season and best start of his career. He's playing two-way hockey. He's making defensive plays. He's doing everything you could want. And we literally can have a conversation about who's going to have more points, him or the Rangers, and it's not a stupid question. <laughs> and yet, and yet, I feel like there's no buzz around him at all. And maybe oh. I'm wrong, but when I read across the league, I just don't see it for the Rangers. I don't think there's a ton of national... I, it, Smart people have said smart things about Artemi Panarin. Let's not act like he's being no, he's ignored. Not, not nothing. I, you're more sensitive to this stuff than I am, mostly because I, I'm just a slave to the calendar. It's December 4th. It doesn't matter who the leader in the clubhouse is at this point in time. The Rangers haven't even played 30 games yet this year. That feels uh, impossible. Right. Well, they've only <laughs> lost five. So yeah. however many, it's, it's December 4th, two months into a hockey season. We're talking about a five-loss team pretty fucking good but i it's tough i saw the worst we're chart guys we like our analytics i did a whole baseball podcast with our buddy vin today where i essentially used just analytics to decide who is and who is not worthy of being in the hall of fame on this year's ballot so we're we're i feel like the new age where we understand the analytics we appreciate the analytics but we also let our eyes do the talking sometimes if our eyes need to outweigh everything else. And I saw the athletics heart tracker today, the one you posted in our insider based on the analytics. This is when you, when you use too many, when you only go off analytics, you lose a little sauce. The heart trophy to me, not only if we were simply identifying by the numbers, the quote unquote, most analytically valuable player, that's that's a nice exercise that I think is important, but the actual award voting, I am a narrative guy. You are a narrative guy. My my narrative was why I was totally cool with Eric Carlson winning the Norris last year because when you look back on that season, the first thing you think of was that was the year Eric Carlson scored all those fucking points on a really bad Sharks team but he scored all those fucking points on a bad hockey team and that deserves to be remembered in some way, shape or form. So I'm fine with him getting the Norris, but then you, I, you showed that top 10 list. <laughs> I think Panarin was ninth. I will read. I will read the list now for our viewer entertainment. Uh, it's Cal McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Kucherov, Pasternak, Sam Reinhardt, Eric Carlson, Zach Hyman, <laughs> Noah Dobson, Artemi Panarin, Jack Hughes. And now, like, I, look, I haven't watched a lot of Noah Dobson, admittedly. Uh, He's having a great year, from what I've been told on the Twitters. Yeah, it's great. Eric Carlson being six is crazy. Like what? Look, I get why Quinn Hughes would be number two. Kamakar is obviously an analytics darling and a great, 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 great player who provides uh, offense and defense to to any team he'll be on. Artemi Panarin being ninth is ridiculous. Ridiculous. It is insane. It's because his defensive rating is like only minimal comparatively to people who play defense. Sure. Sure, and he's he's not a two he's not a two way two hundred foot hockey player. We're never going to be Shit. having a he was against Panarin. the Sharks last night. He fucking owned them. <laughs> but we're not going to we're never going to have an Artemi Panarin for Selkie conversation on this podcast, and nor no. should we. But it, and the Hart Trophy is more complicated than give the award to the best player on the best team. I think that's lazy storytelling as well. It at the same time, a big reason why the New York Rangers currently own the best record in hockey, the highest point percentage in hockey is because when Adam Fox was hurt, when Mika Zibanejad was struggling, when so many other things were going poorly, Artemi Panarin dragged this team and carried his line and has created a great working relationship with three different Rangers when you include Phil Heedle at the beginning of the season. 
his play has led and dominated the Rangers to this point in the season. And if the Rangers are one of your better stories to this point in the season, then Artemi Panarin, you cannot possibly have him lower than third, in my estimation, in a hard ranking right now. Just And that's, I'm going based off analytics. I'm going based off eye test. I'm going based off narrative. I cannot think of three players this year that have checked as many boxes as Artemi Panarin. I'm I'm right there with you. And I went back and looked at, because I'm a, a real sicko, some of my preseason tweets where I, I, I had a, a thought and amusing where it was, what are the percent chances you would give this team finishing first in the Metro? And I think I said like 1%. It was low. <laughs> for, for me, because there was just no, like, I thought they would make the playoffs. I thought it was a lock they'd be third. And they are number one with a bullet right now. There's a long season left. Like you said, they haven't played 30 games, but they have a nice cushion in the Metro. And that's all because of Artemi Panarin. And sometimes these, these awards are about two things. Who's the best team and who's the best player on the best team? And that's where we're at right now. And yet, no coverage. Yeah. At the same time, again, it's, it's an undercovered sport to begin with. Any, anytime 32 Thoughts, you know, you go off who the national guys are. Anytime 32 Thoughts brings up the Rangers, Jeff Merrick is gushing about Artemi Panarin. Elliot Friedman right behind him. I don't listen to chicklets, so I have no idea what the fuck those guys are saying. It, you can't tell the Rangers story without first and with a bullet talking about Artemi Panarin. And, you know, the TNT crew has done it. It's tough. I just, I don't think, I don't, I, you see it differently than I do. I, I'm of the opinion where it's early. Like, for example, Brock Purdy was not a top five MVP candidate before Sunday, and now he's the fucking favorite that in the NFL. No sense. The NFL is wild. That, <laughs> it's a crazy place. You ever want to get into a debate about whether we should change the MVP award in football to who the most important quarterback is versus actual most valuable player? I'm here to have that conversation. But again, the, the award voting, the award structure, it's going to change 75 times between now and April 13th. It's just going to keep evolving and changing. Right now, if you can, if you're seeing on booking sites, you can't bet on this in the state of New York. Uh, promo code BSB on DraftKings if you're using it for your pleasure. Nice. You you can't bet on this stuff in New York, but if you're saying he is getting the sixth best odds today for the heart, that's a tasty little investment that I would encourage. Uh, let's do our weekly Gerard Glant talk, dude. <laughs> <laughs> these these players love throwing this man under the bus mm. it is constantly every single week a new guy comes out and just says yeah we weren't really coached last year oh yeah i wasn't really given an opportunity last year uh i read the quote from johnny brzezinski later in the show uh but pretty much in summary he says yeah it just wasn't the coaching staff didn't trust me and uh good story so far for johnny brzezinski who knows how far he goes uh with this new york raiders team so who knows how long he's a part of it but four points already in, in just under two games uh, can't be more thrilled than that. Like, what else is like? I said this show's kind of boring sometimes when the Rangers are so goddamn good because it's just, hey, this team is really good. No, but listen, good seasons, good teams—they get unexpected performances from unexpected places. It's been two games with Johnny Brodzinski. Let's pump our brakes. I was very good job, bro. Get to the rim. That's it. <laughs> I was I was very encouraged with how he's played. I like <laughs> I the fact that I didn't immediately immediately convulse when I saw that he was on a line with Zibanejad and Kreider 
is a compliment to the way he's playing so far. And so again, just stay on that for a second, because isn't it sort of funny to say I did the same thing where I was like, oh, first line Johnny Brzezinski. That's kind of nice. <laughs> I was like, that, I think that'll work. That's that. What? Why would I think that? But here's he's the leading point scorer in the AHL. So this is a guy having a great season already. Expecting him to come into this lineup and produce while it hasn't been there in the past. Again, new coaching staff, new structure, new system, different formula going into everything. And frankly, I don't think he's ever played with Zibanejad and Kreider. We talk all the time about how the kids needed an opportunity to play big. I don't know why we can't have that conversation about a 30-year-old having a career year in Hartford for a really good Hartford team, mind you. It's interesting. He He just... Adam Etcetera said this, so I'm giving flowers there and making sure he he never stops moving. He is that he is the modern grit and grind player, where it's not the guy trying to lay big hits, play dirty hockey, sandpaper toughness, blah blah blah. To me, grit is he's a fucking energizer bunny. Cool, he's never the same stops. way. By the way, same right. way, different different slice, different stroke. Yeah, he plays with a little more size and muscle. He plays with the size and muscle in the hit. Where Brzezinski is just—is this guy still moving? Like I still have to guard him. Why? He's like he's, a, still he's like it. a jackrabbit. Probably yes. it's constant. Yeah, that's probably what I would say. <laughs> yeah, he's constantly going. I've been nothing but impressed with him so far. And obviously, small sample size. Well, there'll be the slumps and the things to complain about. But but, but the, these con- right these contributions are what you what good teams get from unexpected sources. Yes, absolutely. Need, you need the stars to be the stars. You need the kids to take a massive step forward. Alexi Lafreniere is doing that with bells on. You need unexpected performances from what we've seen from Jonathan Quick, who, by the way, is now fucking seven zero and one. Uh, not his greatest game ever against the San Jose Sharks, but man, just chalking up W's left and right. But these great seasons, you get these, the Yankees, how many years back in the long time, the prime Yankees, Shane Spencer would just come out of nowhere and hit fucking 16 home they runs in the month of May. Random dudes that would just come out of nowhere and, and carry them for three months as like the seventh bat in the order. You'd be like, why is this guy hitting this way? <laughs> Timo Perez ended up being the Mets leadoff hitter in the playoffs in 2000. Great teams get great performances from unexpected places. Why can't Johnny Brodzinski be that? I think the, I think he's exactly that, and I think he's. Uh, I think again, flowers to Peter Laviolette. He immediately we're, said, "We're saying we're saying flowers too too much on this show." Okay, let's, um, let's reel it in. Let's reel it. Bouquet in. and uh, candies to my dear friend. Cre- credit <laughs> credit where credit is due. Croissant on a plate to Laviolette because uh, he's seen Wheeler play, and Wheeler's been. A little bit slower than we expected him to be. He's lost a step, definitely in this part of his career. And he just wasn't working with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider as well. And he gave Brzezinski the shot. Have you, ever, have you ever had a bacon, egg, and cheese on a toasted croissant? I have. Oh, uh, my God. Enjoyable experience. Oh, my God. It's because the butter flakes and all the layers. Ev- Watch- ev- it's perfect. It, listen, nothing beats a bacon, egg, and cheese on a toasted bagel, whatever your fancy is on bagel. I'm a plain yep. bagel guy. I, I, I'm easy like that. Hard number two. Give me that fucking croissant, bacon, egg, and cheese. I've been watching a lot of Great British Bake Off of recent. Mm. Um, uh, I just can't stop holding bread with my thumbs and pointing at it with my pinky now. It's because that's all they do on that show. Did you they see s- that Hulu has a new show with David Chang? That's quite interesting Chang. that I might uh, actually tune in to watch. What is I'm, it? I'm forgetting the name of the show, but the concept of the show is it's a cooking show where there are no judges. but the, That sounds the, sick. The contestants are grading each other's meals blind throughout the entire show so it's this almost like survivor with chefs 
Right, but they're but they're also judging their opponents. But they have they never meet or see their opponents, from what I understand. Oh, Chang's a smart guy. I like him a lot. I'm a big. So. I mean, we're listen. We're ringer stance. Yeah, I know we are. Whatever, whatever. Bill, never talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Keep picking MVP stuff every single week, like I just did. Expired by you. Uh, all right, what else do we got to talk about the Rangers this week? Anything good? Boy, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. I, <sighs> It's like Kako, like, I guess we didn't talk about it. Kako I mean, is, is, Fox, is dead. Fox is back. Fox is back. Kako is uh, out for an extended period of time. We, we do talk, not know the We injury. talked on Monday. We talked on Monday about it. Oh, and we true, assumed true. it was going to be long term. Yep. But Fox is back. Looks like he hasn't missed a beat. He's already cashing power play point bets. Uh, he's two for three since he came back. I and, know. He's a sicko. He's, it, he, I, I actually think he hasn't played uh, that well, which is even better. <laughs> it's like, hey. I do wonder if we're kind of in the Jalen Hurts mode right now with Fox where the Rangers have this incredible record and yet I watch their games and I go man there's something with the top players still quite isn't clicking which then encourages me because that means the New York Rangers are winning a high percentage of games and they're still not playing 100%. The difference between last year is they were waiting for the playoffs and not winning and this year they're clearly waiting for the playoffs but also giving it that extra 10 to 15% they need to win the game. Like every single, I don't think they're waiting for the playoffs. I think they're having fun this year. They're having a blast. Yeah. (laughs) I think they look at every game as an opportunity for someone to shine and have their moment. That's last year. You could tell that's a team that's like, this, this is just 82 games of nonsense. Get me to the playoffs. I'll get there. I didn't ask Vince about this because I didn't really want to be like, Hey, what's the chemistry? Like, tell me about all their friendships. That felt like a weird <laughs> question to ask Vince, but it is just night and day from last year. I, I do it to Molly every time she's on like, Hey, please throw a drug light on the bus. <laughs> and I, she doesn't, of course she does a great job, but la- last year was just miserable. You see the misery on everyone's faces. They just want to get to the show and then figure it out from there. They got there and then shit the bed. And this year it's just, how can we have the most fun possible every single night? while showing off and somehow and i don't know we're even uh, criminals of this chris Kreider is having an incredible season and we don't even care (laughs) it's just crazy we haven't had a full episode talking about how fucking amazing vincent trocek has been yet this year forget chris Kreider. we at least say stuff like listen his numbers going in the rafters he's Mm -hmm. an all-time ranger all-time great his history his place in the history books with the rangers is cemented we say really nice things about him vincent trocek we come on here like god i just love that guy or we, uh, we, or we even we go, boy, we we weren't expecting to sign him. Blah, 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 blah. He's having the fucking year from heaven, man. The, the, the whole squad just looks re, re, rejuvenated. And again, you're right where it's like we haven't had a Vincent Trocek episode. It's December 4th. We haven't really gone in depth. We've, we've had plenty of, you know, Lafreniere, Kako, Mika Zibinijad conversations and all those things in the past. Adam Fox, whatever, what say you. But Vincent Trocek has been an engine. And just stepped into that second role, second line center role, which he, you know, do you want to call it a demotion? He started on the third line. I don't know if it was a demotion or not. I don't think it was a demotion. I think it was just making your lines as as even as humanly possible when the year started. And since he's gone gone up to the second line as soon as Filipito went down, boy, not as only has the offense been great, but man, do you think he's a pest or not? Because I oh, think he is, but not really no, at the same mean? time. No, he's a fucking pest. What is he a pest? He's putting <laughs> stanky glove face on uh, the poor guy. What, what Passerinen, whatever yeah, his fucking Ford, name is with Ford the Predators. Ford is laughing his ass off. Yeah, he's, he's, listen, even when the Rangers signed him, we said this. And I said this 
back when the, Rangers, beforehand. when the Rangers were playing the Hurricanes. Vincent Trocek is that piece of shit that you just want on your hockey team. And if he's not on your hockey team, it, it rubs you wrong. But when he's on your hockey team, it's the funniest thing in the entire world. I love those types of pieces of shit because that's what I am. If I'm your friend <laughs> and, and you and I are buddies and I'm making fun of you, you're like, ah, Greg, he'll have my back no matter what. But if you're not in my friend circle and I'm just giving you the full Greg, you fucking hate me. Yeah, and that, that's, that's Vincent Trocek to a T. It's true. Um, all right. Well, I think that's enough. Let's talk. Let's go to Vince, and then we can come back and answer some five star questions on our end. Uh, the Vince interview is very good, and it will hopefully answer a bunch of your questions. So let's transition over there now. Transition. Hey, yo! I'm here to tell you about our presenting ticket sponsor for the entire New York Rangers season. That's right. It's Tick Pick. Hashtag no fees. Why hashtag no fees? Well, I will feed you, baby bird. That's right. When you open the Tick Pick app, you can see the price. You're going to pay for the tickets when you check out. There's not any surprises. You go, are these Ranger tickets actually this price? Yep. Because when you check out, there's the same price. Hashtag no fees. And if you want to get $15 off your order over $99 on TickPick, you can use promo code BLUESHIRTS15. That's promo code BLUESHIRTS15. And to get $15 off your first order for any account on TickPick, for Blue Shirts 15, above $99. And again, it's so easy to use. You see the price, it gives you the best deals. You can order them by closest, most expensive. But really, I love the A-plus deal system. I just look for the A-plus deals right before the game. Bam! TickPick gets me in. Not just Ranger games, anywhere else. Use code BLUESHIRTS15. Go to the game by TickPick. Hashtag no fees. Hey, we're back with recurring guest Vince Mercogliano of Loha.com and beat writer for the New York Rangers. Uh, Vincent, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? It's been a while. It has been a bit. Sorry, it's been so late. We, we missed you on season previews. Actually, we just didn't even invite you. So that's kind of on us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do listen to New Ice City and plug it on the podcast a lot. So I hope everything's going well with you as well. Yeah, you know, busy, but uh, the train keeps rolling along here. Uh, the train is strong, my friend. Whereas the Rangers currently sit at 18-4-1 at the time of this recording. Uh, there's really not a lot to complain about. The complaints, at least... That I saw, and look, you and I and Greg, we all get these, uh, even when the times are good, and these certainly are the good times, we always get, you know, what's up with Kako, why isn't he scoring, and now Kako's out for months on end, we don't, who knows at this point. Um, so now there's nothing really to complain about. Vince, from your eyes, what is the one thing we can be critical of right now? Oh boy, so we're going right down the negative side here. Let's start negative, because the rest of it is going to be like, how good is this team? Yeah, yeah, so... Early on, my big thing, like I know you guys probably follow some of it, like one of the things I was really kind of honed in on was the five-on-five offense because I did feel like the first 10 games or so that was lacking. You know, one of the immediate positive impacts, I think, from Peter Laviolette is that defensively, from a structural standpoint, from a neutral zone standpoint, from a not having as many turnovers that lead to odd man rushes against standpoint, I thought all that stuff got cleaned up really quickly. I thought there would be some growing pains, but but there wasn't. So the defense right off the bat, I think, stood out to all of us as being much improved with Laviolette. But it felt like they were being carried in a lot of ways by the power play and weren't really producing enough at five on five. The first 10 games, they only had 13 five on five goals. So that's about 1.3 goals on average per game at five on five. It felt like that might not be the most sustainable way to win. We felt like that was an issue last season under Gerard Gallant. So that was something I was kind of keeping my eye on. But last 13 games, the Rangers have scored 35 
five on five goals, including five in a game for the first time so far this season in the Sunday win over the Sharks. So even that was something where I felt like, okay, they can be better here, but they've gotten better there. So it's hard to complain about that anymore. Obviously, you touched on Kako. I think he certainly offensively was struggling and pressing at the time of his injury. And I know that was something that I was hearing from fans about quite a bit. But now he's out of the lineup, I think, until definitely the second half of the season is what it sounds like to me. So that's kind of on the back burner now. And even with these injuries, and certainly they've had some concerning injuries, Kako, Philip Heedle is a guy who still has yet to practice with the team now more than a month since he sustained what we believe is a concussion. And, you know, I think he's had a minimum of four concussions in his career now. So I've written and talked about that as well. I think that that's something to monitor and that's something to really be concerned with, not just from a hockey standpoint, but from a life standpoint, because I think this is a guy who is clearly experiencing worsening symptoms every time that he gets one of these head injuries. And I'm sure you guys know this, that the more of those injuries you get, the more susceptible you are to getting another one more easily and then having worse symptoms each time. So I think Heedle's definitely a concern. Obviously, they had to weather the storm with Adam Fox, one of their best players out for 10 games. But even in the face of all these injuries, they've still continued to plug and play and find ways to win. They're, they're winning in all these different ways. It's not like they need a certain thing to happen every game in order to have success. They're getting contributions from a lot of different guys, maybe not a lot of the usual suspects. So, you know, you could point to a guy like Mika Zabanajad and say, well, his five on five numbers aren't great right now, but the Rangers are still winning, and he's also riding a seven-game point streak right now. So it's also kind of hard to complain about him. So there goes that narrative, Vince. Where to so, go? So, so my long-winded answer is there really isn't a lot to be super critical about right now. There are moments within every game where, or almost every game, I should say, where it feels like they have lapses. You know, they still kind of strive, I think, for that complete sixty-minute effort. But what we've seen from them is there's a lot more good than bad, and they're resilient. And they just find ways to win, whether it's a wide open game like it was on Sunday where they have to outscore an opponent six to five. And we've also seen them win some of these low scoring games where the goalies have to play really well. Guys are blocking shots at the end of the game and they have to grind them out. So, again, I mean, I touched on a few, I think, pretty minor things in there. But from a big picture perspective, there's really not a whole lot to be super critical about right now. I think this is going to be an interesting week on the Heedle front, mostly because when he got hurt, it was a really convenient time in the schedule. And there's no such thing as a convenient time for anybody to get hurt in the schedule. But that initial rush, it was like the Rangers went through that two games in 10 days period, which didn't make any sense. And now we're finally finishing this five games in 10 days period, where after tomorrow's game Tuesday, as you're listening to this, the Rangers are off until Saturday. So it's like finally this little break in the schedule where the roster can kind of take a deep breath and maybe he can get back involved in practice. And maybe there's some – I do you get the sense that we might get a more clarity on the Heedle situation after a week like this, a more normal week in the season where the Rangers aren't trying to play four games in seven days? Yeah, we're at the point where it would not surprise me if we see him practice later in the week. The, the team is off on Monday. You mentioned they have that game in Ottawa on Tuesday. They're also scheduled to be off on Wednesday. So they're going to practice, it looks like, Thursday and Friday. If you're looking for sort of a soft landing spot to ease him back into some action, I think that might be it. I don't think he's certainly going to be ready to play 
over the weekend. They got back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday. I think that would be a stretch. But I've seen him around the facility. You know, he he's walking around and, and looks to be fairly normal. I know he's going through some workouts. I know he's skating on his own. The real hurdle here is for him to reach a point where doctors are comfortable clearing him to go out in a practice setting. Now, he would, of course, I'm sure, start with one of those red non-contact jerseys. But I think that is the big fear right now is, will any kind of contact, whether it's hard contact, soft contact, whatever, would that be a triggering thing for him given the the fragile nature of, of these type of brain injuries? So that is... That's a concern. And I know last time when he came back, uh, last season, if you guys remember, he had a concussion. I forget what which month it was. But when he came back, you might remember, he was wearing one of those tinted visors. And that was because he said he was having sensitivity to the light reflecting off of the ice when he was skating. So that's one of those symptoms that I'm talking about. And, and it would not surprise me if that's something he's dealing with again right now. As you guys know, the team is very tight-lipped with pretty much any kind of injury. but. LaViolette has said repeatedly there have been no setbacks. They're just taking it slow and steady with Heedle for obvious reasons. So he's getting closer, but I think this is the type of thing where you cannot rush it. You know, there are certain injuries where you might say, okay, the guy's going to come back and play through a little bit of pain. And that's really a pain tolerance thing for that individual player. This is not a pain tolerance thing. This is a a long-term quality of life concern that you have to be really careful with. So skating on his own is a good thing, but really the big hurdle now is when can we see him on the ice? And it does seem like he's getting closer. And of course, it would be a really good sign if we saw him later in the week for one of those practices. Vince, before we get to the kids narrative, which I want to revisit that we've talked about the past two years, probably ad nauseum, uh, you mentioned taking their time. There's been a shift, at least from my understanding this year of it seems like more and more Rangers who are maybe injured or banged up are taking their time. Last year, the Rangers missed like absolutely no games. Everyone played through everything, including Jacob Trubo, who we think was injured. Tons of players. This year, uh, not to you know count my chickens before they hatch, the playoffs are kind of a lock at this point. They're, I believe the Athletic has them at 99% of something like that. Uh, there's no need to rush back anyone who's even a little banged up this year. Have you noticed a difference in sort of the way they're handling injuries around the team? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair because if you look at Fox, who we just touched on, Fox said that he was probably ready a little bit before those 10 games that he had to sit out because he went on LTIR. And I think they certainly took a cautious approach with him. He was practicing for like 10 days before he was eligible to come back. So you would think in a more critical situation, playoffs or late in the season, if they're fighting for a spot, that he probably would have been able to return sooner. But it seemed like they pumped the brakes with him and and let him take his time. We just talked about Heedle. Now we're going to see how things progress with Kako. Although, again, I've heard from multiple people that they do expect him back some point during the second half of the season. So, yeah, I think that's fair. We even saw it during the preseason as well. Mika got banged up and they pulled him out for a couple practices. Hedo got banged out. They pulled him out for a couple practices. It seems like they have the big picture in mind and that they are, when the opportunity presents itself to maybe scale back and give a guy a couple extra days to make sure that he's 100% that they're taking that. I do want to stick uh, to cut Greg off. I'm sorry, Greg. I do want to stick on the the kids' narrative for just a moment, uh, and that is without Heedle and Kako, who were two of the two of the kid line of what we were saying. Um, and most of these past two years, I think you, I, and Greg have said 
this team goes as far as the kids take them. We know who the vets are. And then if, as long as we get more from Hedl and Kako and especially Lafreniere, uh, they'll, they can be a great team. Well, uh, two of those players are injured. And we don't know that when they'll return, even though Hedl looked good and Kako did struggle. Uh, but Lafreniere and Will Cooley have been sort of revelations. Uh, Lafreniere is doing stuff this year I didn't see in his past three years as a New York Ranger. He looks way more confident. Uh, would you just give credit to the coaching staff for that? Or what have you like, is that his development? What have you seen from Lafreniere and, and also Will Cooley? It's a combination of factors with Lafreniere, but I do think that it is fair to give at least a a hunk of the credit to the coaching staff. I I had this conversation with Artemi Panarin a couple weeks ago. I wrote a story where I went up to Panarin sort of to pick his brain about what he was seeing from Lafreniere, why he feels like he's taken this step and seems to be on his way to a breakout season. And Panarin, I didn't ask about the coaching staff. Panarin brought it up that it makes a big difference from a confidence standpoint, especially for a young player who is still trying to get to that level of confidence where he needs to be to perform at his best. Panarin was saying that all players deal with ups and downs as far as their confidence. He still deals with that at times, but at least he can hearken back to knowing that he's done it before. Lafreniere really hadn't done it for an extended stretch in the NHL before. So for him, it was a matter of getting over that hump. And in order to do that, Panarin said, it is crucially important to feel like the coaching staff trusts you and they're going to put you out there in critical situations. They're going to give you the responsibility that makes you feel like, okay, you know, now I can go out and do my thing because I don't have to worry about a mistake dropping me down in the lineup or getting me scratched or anything like that. And credit LaViolette for, even though there was a lot of chatter during preseason about Lafreniere not having a great training camp, which which he didn't. I mean, I think a lot of that stuff was overblown, but he was not by any stretch, having a good camp. He kept him in the top six. He gave him that opportunity to play on Panarin's line. It's by far been their most consistent line, especially from an offensive standpoint this season. And you've seen the minutes tick up. You've seen the usage tick up. You're even seeing Lafreniere now play in late game situations where the Rangers are trying to protect a lead, which is what we saw against the Sharks on Sunday. So I think a lot of it is the coaching staff empowering him. But you also have to give credit to the player. You know, he took a lot of heat early on. And I know it's hard for fans to be patient when you're talking about a guy who was picked number one overall. But he is the one that had to, behind the scenes, keep plugging away. He's the one that had to make the adjustment to right wing, which was a clear need for the Rangers. I mean, if we're talking about areas where you can maybe be a little bit concerned moving forward, the right wing depth chart definitely has some, I think, concerns that we could raise. But Lafreniere has been by far their best guy in that position. So he's been massive for them. To me, you could just see when we talk about the confidence, the way that he's handling the puck, some of the moves that he's attempting to make, I just felt like he wasn't even attempting to make some of these passes in the past. And then you look at how aggressively he's seeking his shot. He, he definitely, to me, seems to be trying to get to the middle of the ice, trying to get to the high danger scoring uh, areas. And when he's there, he's not hesitating. He's pulling the trigger. And you, you see the way that him and Panarin also attack off the rush. That's been something that stood out to me as well. And I wrote about this a little bit. I think it's interesting that we made so much of Lafreniere switching to the right wing. You've got Panarin at left wing as a right-handed shooter, and you've got Lafreniere at right wing as a left-handed shooter. And I talked to both of them about this. They think that in transition off the rush, that could be an advantage because what that means is Lafreniere's left-handed shot when he's on the right wing 
his stick is in the center of the ice. So that's putting him in a better shooting position for one timers and those type of things when they're attacking off the rush. So I think in some ways, actually the handedness of those two guys has worked to their benefit, at least offensively, defensively, they'll tell you that it's an adjustment when you're backtracking and that sort of a thing. But I think when they're attacking and moving forward, the handedness thing has helped him as well. So there's a lot of little factors here, but I definitely think that you got to give Laviolette some credit for trusting him with a prominent spot in the lineup and then not touching it from there. Well, listen, this podcast doesn't need me to go on the whole people play left field and right field all the time and don't complain about it rant like I've gone on 700 different times. But I am excited, Vince, to hear your summer uh, content series next summer where you write about how playing summer league softball actually helps you on the <laughs> ice when it comes to the Lex Lafreniere. But I, I don't want to go negative. I'm not going negative with this, but we brought up right-wing depth, and I think that's going to be the big stinking long-term, at least in terms of this season question the Rangers have to deal with this year because something that Ryan and I have been trying to talk about on the podcast and something you've been talking about as well, at least on the uh, X timeline, is the fact that the Rangers are dealing with all these injuries in what was probably going to be a pretty boring trade deadline for the Rangers. This one might now be non-existent where they can't really, not even in theory, add salary. If Kako is coming back sometime before the playoffs, they can't add salary. It, it It's done. So my question to you is, in a time in which, you know, I'd say we're all encouraged by the spark of play we've seen from Johnny Brodzinski, but it's been two games. And I think most of us are pretty, if you want to get super negative, underwhelmed, but definitely no higher than whelmed on Blake Wheeler. Has there now this added incentive for Brennan Othman, who's playing really well in Hartford right now, to be the quote-unquote deadline ad for the Rangers this year? There's definitely a chance that Othman can get a call up later in the season. I wrote about this this week as well. The the notion though that he's going to be called up immediately or that he should be called up right now i think is is wrong quite frankly because uh, no vince you and i a thousand percent are on the same page the rangers are winning and have a cushion give the exactly. kid time to cook there's exactly. no need to rush him yeah exactly the, the rangers are playing well they they you know we all know where they are in the standings so there's no urgency on that front and then the other thing to consider is that i think the rangers have very strategically in the last couple of years made the decision that they want more of their top prospects to get the proper amount of seasoning time in the AHL. I think they rushed some guys in the past and they came to regret that. And I think they very consciously decided not to do that anymore. We saw Will Cooley last year play basically a full season in the AHL. He got a call up, I think it was late February or sorry, late January, where he got a little taste and he was rewarded for playing well down there. But they were very patient with him. There was no need in their mind to rush him. And I think that's the exact same tactic that they're going to take here with Othman. Othman's numbers have been on the upswing. He he has been scoring quite a bit, whether it's goals or assists, in the last six, seven games. So he's definitely getting hot in that regard. But I do know that there are concerns about his overall game, the 200-foot game, the cliches that we always hear defensively, just learning the little nuances of the professional game and wanting to see more growth from him in those areas, that is going to be the key in order for them to trust him with a spot. Now, I should note, he is exclusively played left wing for Hartford. That is his natural position. That's where he played in juniors as well. He told me that he's had a little bit of experience playing right wing in the past, but the large majority of his time has been on the left side. Now, 
we just talked about Lafreniere being able to make that switch. Maybe Othman can do the same thing, but it's interesting to me that they've chosen to keep him on the left side with Hartford. If you were grooming him for a right wing spot, you would think at some point you'd want to make that shift. But I think right now the bigger focus is learning the finer points of the game, becoming a better defender, becoming a more aware player. He was talking about breakouts and zone entries and and those type of things, like those little nuances of the game that he feels like he needs to grow at. I know the Rangers feel the same way. So let him do all that there. And then if he keeps playing really well, later in the season, you have the conversation about whether you need to call him up. Now, last thing I'll say, as far as the deadline goes, there are a lot of factors here. And I wrote about this a little bit the other day, as far as exactly how much cap space the Rangers will have. The longer that Kako is on LTIR, the more limited the Rangers are going to be at the trade deadline. Now, if Kako can come back in, let's say, January, the Rangers would at that point have enough time to accrue by my math. And I reached out to my friend at Puckpedia for a little help on this. By the math that we did together, I should say, if he came back in, mm-hmm. like, if he came back in January, the Rangers would be able to accrue a million and a half, maybe top out around $2 million in available cap space at the trade deadline. Whereas if Kako lingers and let's say he is on the LTIR until we get about to that March 8th trade deadline, then the Rangers are probably looking at under a million dollars in salary cap space. So at what point they get him off and then how much they're able to accrue from that point forward is going to be a big factor here. But you figure they're working somewhere in that $1 million to $2 million range. So that's not a whole lot of cap space to work with, but it could be enough for them to go out and acquire somebody. And this is an exercise that I've started. I'm sure a lot of fans can start doing this as well, where you look at some of the teams that could potentially be sellers and, and sort of pick at these rosters and say, okay, who do they have on a low salary end that could be an effective guy? Now, a guy who a lot of fans were asking about last night and I think could be realistic is Anthony Duclair from the San Jose Sharks. $3 million salary on an expiring contract. But if you throw in a sweetener in that deal and convince San Jose to eat half of that money and you only have to take on 1.5, well, then maybe you could make something like that work. There I also are some- have a good relationship with the Sharks, Vince. That's important. Yeah, I mean, this is just an example I'm throwing out, but, but that's basically what you're going to need. You're going to need a guy who makes, let's say, less than $2 million, or you're going to need a guy who at most makes $3 million, and then you got to convince that team to probably eat half. So that's the range they're working in. They're not going to be able to go out and get a, a big splash, a big name, a guy who's on a big contract, but they will be in a position to maybe scour these rosters and maybe find a depth piece, whether that's right wing or center, because if, if these Heedle concerns linger, you know, right now you've got Nick Benino as your third line center. Is that something that you want to have potentially going into the playoffs? I think ideally for them, they'd like to acquire a center who's also capable of playing right wing. That would sort of kill two birds at one stone for them, but it's going to be tight to your point, Greg. It's just a matter of how tight will it be? And that's going to depend on when they get Kako off LTIR. And, and once they start to get that accrual process going again. Yeah, Kev- Kevin LeBanks, another interesting one from the Sharks. I just want to provide a little bit more color as well to your Othman point because people, I think, get a little worried that they see him playing left wing and they don't think the Rangers are going to move him. Step one, this isn't just hockey. This is all sports. Step one for any prospect is allow the prospect to get comfortable at the level. And the easiest way for any team to allow a prospect to get comfortable at a level is by simply playing him where he's most comfortable. 
Step two is once that prospect is comfortable and showing that he can handle the league, then you start to challenge him by shifting him positions. I literally just lived through the Mets didn't move Ronnie Mauricio off shortstop in Syracuse until about halfway through the season because he needed to dominate AAA pitching first. And once he did that, they're like, cool, now you're a second baseman. So Othman is going to play right wing at some point in Hartford this year. He's got six goals in his last six games. Might be sooner rather than later. But step one is always allow the prospect to get comfortable. And I appreciate that that's what the Rangers are doing. Yeah, I, I will say, though, Brett Berard, who was also a natural left winger and had pretty much exclusively played that in his college career, they started him right off the bat at right wing. So it was interesting to me that they decided that he was the guy who they wanted to make that initial shift with. And Othman was the guy who they kept on the left side. That could be a signal that they feel like Othman is going to be best served on the left side. Or it could be, to your point, he's the more highly touted prospect. He's the guy they're going to be a little more careful with. And he's the guy they wanted to prioritize getting him comfortable with. I'm not sure which one it is, but that, that's just one little caveat I would add in there. Berard has been playing right wing, but I don't think that they view Berard as a guy who they're going to call up anytime soon. And certainly not a guy that they're going to call up and thrust into the top six. Othman probably has a better opportunity to get that kind of a call, but they've got a lot of interesting prospects right there. And I do think that it's not just sort of a veteran thing for the reason that they called up Brodzinski first. He has earned it. And I think that they do view him as the number one depth piece for them at forward right now. Yeah, I mean, he's the leading scorer in the AHL. I think he earned it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, that absolutely. simple sometimes. And yeah, this got, is a meritocracy. That's that's what you do. And, and you know what? Like, you know, I, he's 30 years old, so people probably don't want to look at a guy like that and say, oh, uh, he's still developing. But this dude really does continue to get better every single season. And he's got a skill set that I think can play in the role where they're trying to use him. I'm not saying he's going to be the answer, but I'm saying he might have a better chance than Blake Wheeler right now, because when you talk about speed, he's got a lot more of that. He plays his, you know, what off every single game. And he does have some really, I think, increasingly good offensive instincts. This is what Laviolette spoke about last night. I mean, this guy shoots the puck every chance he gets. We've had these conversations about the Rangers having all these pass first kind of guys. Brzezinski's a shoot first guy. He aggressively looks to get to his shot. And He's mastered the AHL level at this point. I mean, he scores at a tremendous pace when he's playing there. So maybe even though he's 30 years old and and doesn't have any prospect shine anymore, maybe he's continued to get better and reached a point where now if used in the right role, he can be an effective NHL player. It's, I want to go it's, Oh, sorry. Guys. No, but it, it's just so funny. And this isn't just a Ranger fan base thing. This is every fan base everywhere. You go out and trade a fourth round pick for a guy like Frank Vetrano. And when he just shoots the puck nonstop and it's hilarious and we all love him. And it's a dude that was off the scrap heap playing top line minutes, but people love it because it comes from outside the organization. You essentially do the same thing with Johnny Brodzinski, who's just happened to be here for what feels like three years now. And it's not as fun. He's doing the same thing. I, I don't know what to, how can you love Frank Vetrano and be upset about Johnny Brodzinski? I don't get it. Yeah, that Greg, that's a good comparison. There's a lot of similarities between those two guys, the way that they skate, the size, the way that they aggressively look to get to their shot. Vetrano is obviously a more accomplished scorer at this point because he's done it at the NHL level. But I would even argue that Johnny is probably a little bit of a better defensive player than, than Vetrano was. So there's a lot of similarities, I think, if you look at their overall skill sets. I want to go back to the trade deadline one more time. Obviously, the Rangers are not trading for Patrick Kane, question mark. But so since that saga is over, finally, uh, 
Is there any player, and the player that's going to come up the most, at least for Ranger fans, is Barkley Goodrow. Is there any player you could see getting shipped out at the deadline? I, I don't think I see them doing that midseason. I feel like we've talked about this a few years. They are going to be looking to add, not subtract. Yep. We, we could pick apart the Goodrow contract, absolutely. I think knowing what we know now, even though I believe that he is a really impactful guy in the locker room and I know that he's well-respected and I know the Rangers really value what he brings to the table, when you look at that salary and you look at some of the other guys that they're able to fill in and plug into those fourth-line roles who are probably equally as effective, whether you're talking about Jimmy VC or Tyler Pitlick or Nick Benino, who make a fraction of what Gaudreau makes, you could easily envision that being your fourth line and probably get away with not having Gaudreau. Like, Gaudreau is not an absolutely necessary player for this team. So I believe that there could come a point where they're like, okay, we got to share this salary. But them doing that in season, I think, would not be the kind of message that they want to send. I think it's much more likely they're just going to have to shop for a bargain type of guy. I do still think they will add a forward at the deadline. They're just going to have to, like we said before, get a guy who makes a million, a million and a half, probably no more than $2 million. Peter Laviolette and his coaching staff, Vince, this season have done things that feel innovative, at least when looking at the New York Rangers. One thing that still surprised me, and I, I, I said this on, on the apps, and I was a little surprised it didn't happen. Adam Fox is fresh off a long-term injury, picked up a bit of a knock at the end of the Nashville Predator game. Zach Jones looked perfectly capable in the 10 games he played while Fox was on the shelf, and yet we still don't get Fox just getting a day off on Sunday against a clearly inferior opponent in the Sharks. So are we... Are we just never going to get my dream, which is have seven good defensemen on your roster so you can give a Fox, a Truba, a Miller a day off when they need it? I I don't think you're going to get that right now from this team. It's the NHL culture, is, as you know, is very old school, is very lunch pail where guys don't want to ever ask for a day off like that. I mean, down the road, could it come to that? Absolutely, because I think the more science you incorporate, the more that they learn about you know how players deal with these back-to-backs and what's the best way to recover and what's the best way to sort of save your bullets for the playoffs. It makes sense what you're talking about, but I think there's probably going to need to be a team that has a little more of an, I don't know if I want to say open-minded approach. But I think you're probably going to be looking at a team that's not at the top of the standings like the Rangers are, a team that probably has maybe a a younger overall feel as far as the coaching staff that think of things maybe a little bit differently before you start seeing that. So, no, I I don't think that that was something that they even considered for this. Yeah, I I, I put the dream to bed. It just if it wasn't going to happen yesterday, again, Fox clearly picked up some kind of knock, nothing serious, but something enough to keep them out of shifts at the tail end of a close game in Nashville on a back-to-back against, frankly, the worst team in hockey. And if you're not going to take them out of the lineup, then you're just never going to take them out of the lineup. So it's, it's a dream I've retired, but I still maintain that it just benefits the team more if you buy Adam Fox a game when you have a Zach Jones, who should be in a top six with just about probably 25 of the 32 teams in the NHL. He just happens to be playing on the one where it's not going to happen. 
Yeah, well, Greg, actually, I just remembered that they did, I think it was the second game of the season. I believe it was in Columbus for the second game of the season. Lindgren had gotten banged up in the first game, and they mm-hmm. did yep. they did sit him for Zach Jones in that game. So it probably depends on the severity of how banged up a guy is. They they called up Antoine, uh, I think you say bleed. Uh, it doesn't look like bleed, but I believe it's pronounced bleed from the AHL on Sunday because they had a forward that was banged up. I was wondering if it might have been Nick Benino because he had sustained the hit in that Nashville game where it looked like he was a little shaken up. But, they, you know, they have these guys tough it out. Again, that's kind of hockey culture for you. So I think if if there's a situation where they deem it where it's serious enough where they do want to give the guy a night off, they, they will do it like they did with Lindgren. But I think generally speaking, these guys are always going to want to tough it out. Vince, my final question is about practice and the coaching staff. And look, the Rangers sit atop the entire NHL right now. It is an entire, it, it is mostly the same team from last year. The culture seems a lot closer. The vibes seem a lot better. And let's be honest, Vince, winning solves all of that. But it seems like it started way earlier. That also being said, there are a lot of situations on the ice I feel like they've practiced for. They are the Rangers are really good this year when the the opponent pulls a goalie. That was not the case where I felt like the last two years. There are a lot of situations where they fight back or have these three v threes or or whatever have you. What have you seen from the practices that have played onto real life situations? Yeah, they practice every situation. I I, I will say this, and I've heard this from players as well. I, I watched two years of Gerard Gallant practices. Most of those practices were the same. Now, they would have days when they spent a little more time on power play or days when they spent a little more time on penalty kill. They would work on specific situations. But as far as the diversity of the drills and the type of things that they would put the players through, you, you saw a lot of the same stuff. With Laviolette, every practice seems to have a different theme a lot of the players have talked about the level of detail that they have with this coaching staff. It, it's I wrote about this the other day as well. It, it's been and I and I, we've I've addressed this a few times throughout the season. It really has been, I think, very interesting to watch the way that Laviolette has tackled this job so far because I, I feel like we all had the same feeling over the summer when it was a lot of the same old recycled coaching names that we were hearing during the Rangers search. And even though I did feel at the time that of those names, LaViolette probably had the most appeal, it still felt a little stale. It still felt a little bland, but seeing the way that he has seamlessly taken on this position and the confidence that he has infused in these players, the system that he has implemented, the open lines of communication that I think were lacking at times last year, the intensity of the practices. I'm I'm sure you guys have read some of this stuff, but every practice is all based on competition. The team is always split in half. Half the team wears blue jerseys. The other half uh, wears white jerseys. And every drill is built around competition with some kind of punishment for the losing team, whether it's extra bag skates or push-ups or whatever it might be. It, It just seems like watching these practices, the feel around them is just you you take notice more of what's going on out there because it just seems like the guys are competing harder. There's more at stake for them. There's more purpose to everything that they're doing, less downtime. Everything seems to be very calculated and, and that is absolutely carrying over on the ice, I believe. And I think the players, a lot of them, especially the ones that I've spoken to about this would tell you the same thing. And Laviolette has said all these different situations that you're talking about, six on five, three on three, 
he's mentioned specific days, hey, we haven't worked on this in a while. So I want to make sure that we get to that today. So it does feel like they're more prepared for every situation that they encounter. It does feel like the system has more nuance to it. I think that there's more as far as situational hockey and them having different marching orders in these different situations. And I do feel like that when it comes to the in-game adjustment stuff that we talked about last year, where it felt like the Rangers were lacking, that now you're seeing them have the ability to do that. So all of these things add up to, I think, a team that feels like they're much more prepared. And you've had some players come out and say that. So I don't want this to sound like a big knock on Gerard Gallant because the win-loss record while he was here was quite good. But I do think that across the board, in a lot of these different categories that we've talked about, the Rangers have upgraded at the coaching position. And that includes the assistant staff as well, because I do think, you know, look at what they're doing on faceoffs right now and leading the league in faceoff percentage last time I checked. Michael Pekka, who they brought in specifically to help in that area, specifically to help forwards become better defensive players. Like all of these things are now translating for the Rangers. So there's a long way to go. I don't want to throw too many roses at them this early in the season, but it's hard for me not to be impressed being around them every day and observing what I'm observing every day and and not tell you guys that I feel like they are a much better prepared team with much more open lines of communication, a much better understanding of individual roles and responsibilities than I think that they were the previous two seasons. Peck is going to be a head coach in this league. Uh, you know, one can only hope the Rangers are kind of grooming him to be the post Laviolette guy if things go well. But and you, and you know what, Greg Dan Muse is a guy that I yep. know that they think really highly of, and he runs a lot of this stuff during practice. He he's probably the most vocal, animated, active coach at these practices. So he's a guy who I think they feel is an up and comer as well. And I believe he's only in his like he's a little over forty years old. I think so. He he's the yeah. youngest guy on the staff. They right knocked now. out of the park, Vince, with these these hires. They're unbelievable. They really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so and then they still have Benny. So, you know, they they <laughs> they put together a pretty solid staff. And, you know, I think LaViolette delegates a lot of stuff, but I also think that there's much more of a feeling of the buck stops here with me. And I think that no decision is made among that coaching staff without him putting the final stamp on it. So I also think that it's very clear who the leader is here too. And that includes him communicating directly with players. Pretty much every practice, every morning skate, you can see at the end, he seems to sort of pick different guys or sometimes bring a full line over at the same time. But he seems to pick his spots where he's going to take opportunities to communicate with individual guys or individual lines every single day. And even to in talking to players, like talking to Zach Jones about going back to being scratched or talking to Jimmy Vesey about what was communicated to him early in the season when he was a scratch for two of the first three games. Like the players aren't being blindsided by those decisions. They know why the decisions are being made. And I think that that has a, a positive effect on the locker room as well. Yeah. Eden, Eden is good right now, Vince. My, la- my last question for you is to bring down the mood a little bit. Uh, in what world do you not trade Michael King and Ian Thorpe and all these pitchers for fucking Juan Soto? What, what's going on? <laughs> Come on, Greg, buddy. You, Greg, you, you this gotta, is idiotic. Nah, you got to play hardball, man. You can't just. I, it's Juan Soto. He's the he's a top three hitter in baseball, and he's twenty five. 
Just fucking trade for him and win a World Series. Who cares if he walks Brent, like Kawhi be, Leonard? Be respectful for our our guest. Thank you. No, yeah, I but- will not. This, I am tired of Yankee fans being like, that's a lot of pitching. I want to Juan Soto, Vince. Listen, Greg, I don't have very much faith in this front office right now. I, I honestly think it was probably time for a change in that bizarre press conference or whatever you want to call it that Brian Cashman had a couple of weeks ago just made me feel even stronger about that. But I will say this, that I think as desperate as the Yankees are to right off the bat, if they're demanding, it sounds like seven prospects for one player who's basically none of your good prospects though. Ian Thorpe's the only one that has a shot at being a star. I think it's Drew Thorpe, but um, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> nice job but but I, but there's a negotiation process in any sport so i i don't think that if they come to you right off the bat and say hey we want xyz and you say yes to that right away that that's a good negotiating tactic i think I, I, listen the fucking mariners did it last night so if that's all it takes to get jared kelnick i honestly if that if in in my shoes if i was a yankee fan and i saw all it would take essentially is michael king clark schmidt and whatever thorpe I would have accepted that trade. No questions asked. Done. I got Juan Soto. He's a star. He's, and I'm not, we now live in this weird world. And I love that we do. We live in this weird world where the Yankees are worried about not being able to keep Juan Soto. What's it like rooting for a poor baseball team, Vince? Whoa, we're like, we were so professional this whole time. I don't get, <laughs> it's the winter meetings, baby. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I mean. I mean, my my thing with them is I don't think there's any one move that cures all. I think their roster needs a complete overall, especially offensively. I think they got to bring in multiple pieces if they're really going to have a chance to compete next year. So, listen, if they lose out on him, especially if it's like, you know, a division rival like the Blue Jays, then I think the criticism will be warranted. But if they end up getting the deal done and maybe being able to keep one of those pitchers who could be an impact player for them this season because they played a little hardball. Well, then you look back on it, you say, okay, well, that was, that was good negotiation. So I think we still have to see how this turns out before we jump down their throats. I think, I think the blue Jays are this, uh, this off season's MacGuffin. I don't think they're going to do anything. It's very, it's very, it's very conveniently placed that suddenly there are these big players for Otani and Soto, just when it seems like nobody's negotiating against the Dodgers and nobody's negotiating against the Yankees in both these deals. And suddenly the Blue Jays get to come in like the helicopter parent. I, I my, 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 my spidey sense is tingling on that. One. Well, that's part of the game, isn't it? To, to, to make it seem like other teams are interested. That way the Yankees will get pressured into meeting their demands. So yeah, it, it's why the Dodgers and the Mets are interested in every free agent because they have big paychecks. Well, now the, the, we'll see when the Rangers are in intense negotiations for Kevin LeBlanc in, in a few months. <laughs> Vince, cannot thank you enough for your time today. Always a pleasure, my friend. Anything you want to plug other than New Ice City and following you on Loha.com where you can read all your articles? No, no, that sounds good. All right, cool. Vince, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Be good. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks. Bye. Cannot thank Vince enough. Uh, we're back. Oh, I should do that. I should do that. Okay. And we're back. Very good. All right, cool. Hey, Greg. Hey, Greg. Uh, we're, not, we're, not, we're not winning an Emmy for this podcast. No, no, definitely not. But uh, great interview with Vince. Always the little insight he drops, especially on practice, I love every single time. So, yeah, and I, I just love that he's tr- drinking that copium with the New York Yankees, man. Oh, look, yeah, I thought that was very rude of you. <laughs> <laughs> he went out of his way to come on the show, you know? Yeah, whatever. All right. Vince then gets on Twitter. He's like, I hate to give Greg credit, but he said a funny, th- he said a smart thing. On he the did podcast. give you credit immediately. Yeah, but he uh, put, he put a pretty big disclaimer before it, Chief. 
That's true. And then at least maybe he'll mention our podcast name on his podcast next time. One can only hope. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, So listen, all right. Vince, Vince is another guy. (laughs) He's, he's had his, he is almost on the national level here. All right. Good looking dude. SNI's, SNY is bringing him on all the time. The man is the face of the Rangers beat. I know. He's he's got a lot of airtime. Yeah. Got to keep him fucking humble. All right. He's so nice too, which is super annoying. It's so, uh, and he's good looking. Like everything, he's the perfect man. Like you want, you want to, you want to have this fucking conversation? <laughs> no, I'm done with talking about it. <laughs> All right, let's get to five star questions. Want to leave five star questions on the show? You can go to our Patreon, subscribe, support this show. I sound like a YouTuber. Hey, listen, and then, I've been dropping content left and right on Greg the Patreon. Does feed. like literally, guys, eight podcasts a week. It's fucking crazy. Since I, <laughs> I, today, today I laughed to myself because I since we last talked on BSBOT. There is a Caps and Friends with uh, Yadira talking about WWE and where we're going between now Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. There's a Napoleon podcast with our buddy Cresci where we rip into Ridley Scott and that god-awful movie that I had to watch. Then there's a Back in the New York group, two of them. One, about how the Mets signed Joey Wendell and Luis Severino. And two, Vin and I broke down our Hall of Fame ballots today. Like, I'm just – I'm – Giving you shit, Ryan. I am putting it out there into the world. Uh, and also, if you want to leave a five star question, you can go to our Discord and uh, leave it in the five star question channel. All right. Uh, first question from Julia Barnes. Uh, if Chris Carter was a cocktail, what cocktail would he be and why? Oh. This is tough. This I'm going to say a, a Harvey Wallbanger because I have no idea what's in that. What? Yeah. What the hell is a Harvey Wallbanger? It reminds me of one of my favorite movies, Game Night. Uh, Game Night's a top tier, S tier movie, by the I, way. It's so underrated. But the scene where they go into the really seedy bar, he's like, I don't think this guy is a bartender. So I'm going to order <laughs> a very complicated drink. And Jason Pittman goes, I would like a Harvey Wallbanger. And Rachel McAdams asks him what's in it. And he realizes he has no idea. So whatever is placed in front of him, he's just going to have to believe it's a Harvey Wallbanger. <laughs> That's Chris Kreider. That's Chris Kreider. This is from Ryan uh, Shafuri. Shafuri? Oh, I got boy. that. Sure. This is a this is an all timer uh, five star question. If Nick Benino was in Dallas in 1963, would JFK made it out unscathed? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no um, comment. But Nick Benino is good at blocking shots. Um, uh, I think that's uh, as far as we could go. There you yeah, go. I, I will say I will answer that question by saying on today's back in the New York Groove, uh, you are not around. To mute me every time I say something about Chase it's Utley. It's not as much as, that, so that's Yeah, fine. I'm just saying. Uh, if people want to hear bad words, that's where you go. Do you think he's going to make it in? I, unfortunately, Ryan said I would vote for him to get in. I think I think that's correct. And, but also, he's a fucking terrorist. There you go. <laughs> um, this is from Phoenix Edition. Do you guys think going three and one in over four games in six days is successful? Yes. Next question. Uh, this is from Nick D. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, Peter. Do you think uh, opposing goalies playing like Prime Hasek is because Benny is so good he makes other goalies better through osmosis? This does happen a lot to us. We get goalies. I don't know if it happens a lot to us or if goalie play across the NHL for the most part is just better. It's funny you say that because uh, I think our our friend Larry Brooks came out and was like, goalies suck now. I'm a, I'm the worst at clicking culture, which is I see it, I click immediately. It's it's been it's embarrassing how quick I click Larry stuff. And he was just saying like how goalies have been so bad or offenses have gotten better. We got to get him back on the show. It's been too long. Yeah, I can, we we'll haven't we haven't been January. able to plan a yeah we haven't been able to plan a seed for a column in him for a while. 
We'll have to come up with like three or four things we throw at him uh, on the see, podcast and see how many become articles in the next see, few months. See which stink. He's, we'll, or stick. We'll, we'll go through Molly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, we also got to go through Molly for Brian Boyle. We got to be careful with how we use Molly these days. Bro, there's no chance we get Brian Boyle. There's a chance. There's <laughs> okay. a chance. There's no chance. Uh, this is from Live, Laugh, Lav. That's so hard to say. Pronounced Live, Laugh, Lav. Oh, he said it. Okay, that's where. Greg, on scale of 1 to 10, how many times did Corey Perry bang Bedard's mom? Just kidding. Playoffs. If Quick or Shesty get hurt, do they call up Doming or Ebug Valley or Hank? They fold the franchise and that's it. That's it. <laughs> There's not like, dude. Like, I'd love to see Valakad in there. I think Hank would legitimately sign up for it, but there's no chance. Yeah, yeah. E- even if Igor gets hurt, guys, it's, it's over. Uh, oh, excuse hell- you. I- I'm still yet to see Jonathan Quick lose a game in regulation this year. That's true. Seven zero and one. What am I going to talk about? This is for Hell of Vanilla. With Kako being hurt and Wheeler's underwhelming contribution. How do you feel about finding Corey Perry's mom sometime? <laughs> God damn it. I should read this book. Fuck Corey Perry's mom sometime in New York to hook up with. And whose mom would you volunteer as tribute? Uh, pass on this question. But uh, well, you did talk about Corey Perry being a legitimate signing. So there you go. I, no, no. Well, here's the thing. Um, let's, set the re- let's set the record straight. It sure sounds like from all the reporting I've been able to sleuth that something inappropriate happened at a pretty corporate event involving Corey Perry on the road and it 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 doesn't i'm not willing to say 100 percent that he didn't sleep with a member of the chicago blackhawks organization but what it sounds like is connor bedard's mom is safe yeah uh, i don't think that was look we're all for making the jokes pretty sure that didn't happen yeah jokes go for it didn't happen cory perry was playing well for the blackhawks but i'm uncomfortable signing someone where there's that much doubt around them until someone comes out and says explicitly what happened. Like if what happened is essentially what happened with Ime Udoka and the Boston Celtics, where, listen, you want to be adulterous, you want to sleep around, fine. Not my business. You're a piece of shit, but it's not my business. There are worse things in the world you can do. And the Celtics had to do what they do, but it doesn't bother me that the Houston Rockets give him a chance and set some strict boundaries with him when he goes into it. And then it. he curses out LeBron James. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, guy, the, guy, the guy, he's a... I, Maybe he has some problems. I don't know. <laughs> Ime Udoka, he's one of a kind. If, if that's what it is, great. But until someone lays out the fucking truth, I am uncomfortable signing Corey Perry with not just on a human moral level, but also on the, if more information comes out and the Rangers have to release him, then they're just even more fucked than they are right now. And you also, the locker room and the vibes right now are so good. There's no reason you want to mess with it. Exactly. And honestly, again, the Rangers have only lost five times, four in regulation this year. You might as well just try guys like Brodzinski to see if it works. If you catch fire, great. And if you don't, cool, bring up the next guy. Both these next questions are about Othman, and I feel like we did a great job with Vince kind of going over that. It's from Batchild and Jets Rangers. They both talk about why wasn't Othman kind of called up. There's no reason for it. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'll skip these. Uh, you guys ask questions a lot, and I appreciate that. This is from David. Uh, congrats. You have sele- you've are selected to coordinate the first inaugural sports broadcast student exchange program. You mm-hmm. have to take at least one member of the following sports broadcast and swap at least one member from each team to create the most entertaining outcome. Alternatively, you can compete to see who make the best broadcast. Inside the NBA, the Mets booth, the MSG intermission report, the Knicks booth, and Bill Simmons is the wild card. I'll take Sam Rosen and Walt Clyde Frazier. 
if I want to, so the way I interpret it is I can keep one guy in the sport in that booth and I can mix and match. Yeah. Give me I, a I, Mets game with Gary Coe and Joe Micheletti and Clyde. I think I, Micheletti would actually murder on a Mets broadcast. I, th- I think Micheletti, I'd also put Micheletti in a studio show where I can untether Micheletti and free him. Remember way back when, when Micheletti would come on MSG and be like, this team, how great they are. But then he would go to NBCSN for Dude. a playoff game and be like, this team fucking sucks. He and would, I'd be like, Micheletti! Outside, as soon as he's outside of the MSG umbrella, he's his personality gets very spicy, very quick. But I think I think the thing that's changed between now and back in those days is I think Micheletti really likes this Ranger team and is loving how they're playing. And he, I mean, shit, dude, I'm gonna fucking miss Sam. Sam is entering this new phase for me where he's just kind of letting it fly. The fact that he's shitting on refs now and not even in a Homer way where he's just like, that's not right. No, I'm calling it's, it's out disappointed dad shit. It's amazing. It's so good. I'm going to, uh, I, I, I like, I don't know. I, I, I'm nihilistic I to a point these days, but I'm finding myself realizing I'm going to miss the shit out of Sam Rosen. I love Sam Rosen so goddamn much. He is my grandfather uh, that I never had. And not that he's going anywhere. He's said nothing about retirement, but it is like inevitable. Can I, can I, can I tell you a funny thing that I uncovered today? That is, that is very important. Uh, So you're not going to listen to the show, but my, one of the reasons uh, Francisco Rodriguez continues to get hall of fame votes is because he's third all time in saves. You want to take one guess who's fourth? No way. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> no way. John really? Fred, yeah, he's fourth. 424 oh. saves, man. Oh my he's God, a big whatever. Ranger fan. We got to get him on the show. We got to figure it out. We will. Have you DM'd uh, him recently? Oh, no. You're, you're, not on the, you're not on the Insta. I got to DM not, him on the Insta. I'm not on Instagram. All right. I'll DM him. I'll see what I can do. This is from Mac. Is it time to have the conversation about moving VC to Wheeler's spot? Uh, they did, and they moved Johnny Brzezinski, Brzezinski there instead. Laviolette uh, loves that fourth line, man. And it's, it's, it's humming right now. It is. It's going well. So what else can you say? This is for EP29. Are these, as Ryan said, in fact, the good times? Dude, if these aren't the good times, I don't know what are. Like, <laughs> there's no, there's been like two bad losses. One of them is questionable. And otherwise, they just continue to win. And not only that, you can win and not have fun. This team wins and has a blast. What else do you want? Yeah, I, this isn't, again, we, we said this, I think, last week or the week before. This isn't the most talented Ranger team we're ever going to see. I mean, Johnny Brodzinski, Tyler Pitlick, Blake Wheeler, Barclay Goodrow, Jimmy VC. The, these guys, they, they serve a purpose. They play a role. But last year's team was the most talented Ranger team we will ever see. Whether you love or hate Patrick Kane, whether you thought Vladdy fit in perfectly, what have you, the whole nine. This collection we are watching currently is the most symbiotic team we might ever see in our life. I, it's hard for me to disagree with that. Uh, this is from Bretley. Insane stat, the 2015 Rangers are the last team to win the President's Trophy and also make the conference finals. Mm. That was insane. I'll worry about it later. This is from Toaster was there, Daddy. Was there a question in there? No, there wasn't. Toaster okay. Daddy. If you could make one ridiculous Rangers-specific prop bet, what would it be? I think mine would be the under on Mika Kreider shorthanded breakaways. What do you mean? Like in terms of them actually scoring them or having them? I think just having them. 
Take the under? What? Because there's, there's a lot of them, Toaster Daddy. Under, that would be wait. Over under on Mika's has been, okay, he would take the over on them. So like, yeah. we set the line you're, at like 3.5. You're, conf- you're, you're confusing the shit out of me on that one. Yeah, that's me reading. That's just me reading. So my bad, Toaster Daddy. I would, not- I would do, uh, I'm a big fan of over half silly goose faces Keandre Miller makes on a nightly basis. The disrespect Keandre Miller had when he just didn't celebrate that goal. That was a fucking snipe. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm still over the moon about him going, to that one guy <laughs> a couple of games ago. It was pretty good. I love Keandre, uh, man. Keandre, my, Keandre's got skills. My prep, prop bet is always former Rangers scoring, as they always do. Yeah, Ryan Carpenter. I forgot about him. The, dude, they did a welcome back tribute. That's amazing. And then Ryan Carpenter couldn't believe they did a welcome back tribute. Uh, I, think they, I think he's right to say that. This is from, this is <laughs> from Jack, Jack Rogan 25. I think we can agree that for the next couple of years, the Rangers roster is pretty set in stone. With that being said, what do we do with Linger in this offseason? I know you guys expressed about not wanting to him into his 30s. What if the Rangers offered him a 5v5? I think it's worth considering to trade him <laughs> and have Schneider step up into a top four. I'm, I'm laughing because this is actually the one time where I have no fucking idea if this roster is set in stone. They got a Kako decision. They got a Lindgren decision. They got a Gust- Gustafson decision. They're eventually going to have yeah. to replace Blake Wheeler. They're going to have I'm to replace you. Tyler Pitlick. Barclay Goodrow is hanging around. Jimmy, I'd like the Rangers... The reason why we're telling everybody to enjoy it this year is because next year it could be a completely different fucking team. I have no goddamn idea. I mean, Jonathan Quick's not even going to be here next year. No, yeah, there's a lot of change. Uh, going into the season and, and the summer for us was a little bit difficult because there was no changes coming. Drury did all of his business in one day, and then Greg and I had to talk for nine more weeks about what was going to happen. <laughs> uh, and then that was it. This summer will be incredibly interesting. There's a lot of tough decisions for this Rangers team to make. And I don't, you can't really replace Ryan Lindgren. I think he ends up taking a discount. No info on that, but that's just my, my gut feel. We'll talk about it as it goes. Um, it's for MSEN. What's the deal with Nashville being such a tough matchup for us? I'm simmering on an Andrew Burnett understands how to play the Rangers take. I was, uh, it's not only that, but uh, their GM also has a very good understanding of the Rangers. Yeah. And it's, it's also, you could just say it's Barry Trotz hockey. They clog the middle. They're annoying to play against. It's really hard to break out against any Barry Trotz team. They play such a clinically boring style of hockey that it's because it's it's not just suffocating when you're actually playing it. You get so frustrated. We forget that these guys are fucking human and that I know what I'm like when I get, I mean, I fucking snapped at you earlier today when I was frustrated about something that didn't even involve you. And that was just a natural reaction I had because (laughs) I was frustrated in the moment. These guys are on the ice playing a game in front of thousands of people on the road that want them to fail. And they're getting frustrated because the predators are doing super basic things to keep the puck from moving up the ice. That's got to drive them fucking insane. Has to, it has to, uh, this from AK, AZK hot take. I think Gerard Gallant would be a good coach for a team that is falling apart and needs someone to come in and bring everyone together and sort of reset kind of like the hockey version of the white Sox. Do you agree? And if so, who do you think that team would be? I, I would I never disagree. wish this on my worst enemy. The, <laughs> yeah. I, the, yeah, the Islanders. Okay. I, well, but, I mean, the Islanders are playing better recently. Have you seen? I know they're fine. Uh, no, I disagree. I I do think there's a specific team that Gallant can work with. I don't think that team currently exists in the National Hockey League. Um, I can't think of one that would really be a good fit for right now. Like the Senators, it's it's a coaching problem, but it's also a lack of players playing well problem the Oilers while they need someone who probably is asking them to do less they also don't have goaltending so I don't think Gallant's going to help them 
anywhere there. Maybe, I mean, he might have been good in Minnesota where, like, there's plenty of talent on that roster and they just need a guy to be like, hey, maybe you guys should play better. And Matt Zugrow could go, holy shit, great idea. And they do. They just hired a new coach. So Well, then, no, but I'm saying it's that type of environment. Yeah, okay, that's fair. This is from Blind Zebra looking for work. Pretty much in summary, he was at the Nashville game and he was looking for Wheeler. He wanted to say he couldn't find him anywhere. Uh, yeah, man, uh, Laviolette made adjustments to put his best six players in the top six, and then it worked. <laughs> that was awesome. That's why you didn't see Wheeler. Um, this is from Zangarang. What is the best what if? This is my favorite question of the day. What is the best what if of the current Rangers error post letter 2018 to now? Palat doesn't score the last goal and we go up 3 0 versus the Lightning. Pagula doesn't block the Eichel trade, or Lafreniere is put on Panarin's wing from the start, or something else. Uh, it's the Eichel trade for me. No, it's not for me. To me, it's the three headed goalie monster. What if the Rangers never bought out Hank? How different, mm. like if he is medically unable to go, that's so much more room you opened up on your roster financially than if you bought him out. And then what if you traded Georgiev and Hank wasn't medically able to go? So now you brought in assets for Georgiev like you should have well before he left as a free agent, and you just randomly hopped into $9.5 million of cap space, $8.5 million of cap space, however much cap space it was. Did trade Georgiev for some some picks. Yeah, whatever. Okay. No, I'm just, like, like, just throwing out there. No, but there was a time where you could have gotten something of worth for Georgiev, and the Rangers took bad lottery tickets instead. Agreed. Uh, the other one is, uh, you mentioned Palat doesn't score in the last second. Mine is Barkley Goodrow scoring when they're up 2-0 in game three. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't think there's any way they beat the Avalanche in that final, so it doesn't haunt my you. dreams. Um, yeah, that's a year where the correct team won the Stanley Cup. It doesn't... The years that bother me... It, part of the reason why 2006, that Mets season, haunts my dreams is because the Cardinals shouldn't have won that World Series. That was... The wrong team won the World Series that year. Flat out. The, I'm haunted by years where the wrong team wins. And if my team could have been in the conversation for being the right team, that keeps me up at night. Like 2015 doesn't keep me up at night. I think it's because I was so drunk. I, I don't remember any of it, but the Royals were a really good team. They were deserving of that world series. 2006 Cardinals were fucking awful. awful. <laughs> and then got hot, hot, hot. Yeah. Fucking Jeff Supon, man. What the shit is that? from Dreda. Thinking about Panarin this year compared to last year and how much of this breakout is related to Laviolette letting him do stupid shit from the blue line. I feel like Gallant didn't want him to do that at all or just simply because he shaved his head. It's both. It's both. It's absolutely both. Yeah, I I think, and this applies to Lafreniere too, players weren't taking chances because they knew the punishment for a mistake, which led to mistakes, thus leading to punishments. It's a, it's a snake eating its own tail, right? When you get to a certain point. Lafreniere was trying to play so conservative that he was making unforced errors by playing conservative where sometimes you just got to let the freak flag fly. And if a, if a, if a mistake happens, great. I'm always going to be cool with mistakes made out of aggression where you're trying to push something forward, trying to be aggressive in the offensive zone. If you make an error trying to score, that's cool with me. The problem last year and the year before that, 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 these guys were being coached where, they thought if they did something wrong, they were going to pay a price. So they didn't. Instead of trying to do something right, they were trying to do something not wrong. 
Next couple questions are something about Panera. Well, this is from Woody Sweats. Is Panera the most fun superstar in New York ever? Combined combination of personality and skill, I think currently, yes. Maybe all time. Not all time. Dude, there's so I many also, in New York. I also don't think ever. Yeah. No, not all no, time. Not at all. Not is, all he, time. is he the most fun right now? I don't I don't I don't think so. I think he's the most fun for me. You can make a case. Most fun like, for us. Um but I, but going through the Yankee lineup, I don't think anyone was more fun. Um, no, Judge is a little Yan- bit bland. The Yan- yeah, the Yankees are a no fun team. You can make a little case for Pete Alonso, I think a little. But but when Pete, the Mets are good, that's the problem. Yeah, but Pete also has some problems. Jalen Brunson's a big is really fun, but he's not like the level of Artemi Panarin is. I want Jalen Brunson to as fun as Jalen Brunson is with Josh Hart. I want him to be that fun with everybody else. Did you see the kind of cringy social video they put out of those two wearing the I missed it. the third jersey? I missed it. Oh my god! I don't no, know if it's so intentionally. I don't. If it's intentionally trying to be a bad commercial, I like it. I'm just not convinced it's trying to be intentionally bad. Got it. I, look, I think he's the most fun superstar in New York right now, and has he's one of the best quotes there is. I think Pan, I think Panarin's more fun than Jalen because Panarin. The thing working for Panarin is he doesn't. Panarin understands English well enough to know that he's saying things that are funny, but then can be like, uh, "Me no English." Yeah. Um. <laughs> No, I don't speak English. But perfectly. I mean, who's the most covered superstar in New York right now? It's Brunson. Oh yeah, well, that's not the question though. No. Um. Oh, this is from Kako Prisby. Would you trade Igor as a centerpiece for McDavid and trust Alaire to find us number one, number one goalie? No. Uh, I would trade for McDavid every day of the week. I wouldn't there trade Igor for him. I think I think I. My heart says no. My brain says yes. Does that make sense? Mm, I I here's here's my thing. I understand that. Benny can sprinkle that magic dust on guys for 25, 30 games a year. The beauty of quick playing this well is quick. Doesn't have to play 40 times. Yes. He's going to play 25 and he's going to be really good in those 25. If you trade Igor for Connor McDavid, all you're doing is becoming the Oilers. Uh, This is from Roger. Who did a bigger malpractice at their job? Gallant for the way he quote unquote coached last year or VC's agent for convincing him his team friendly deal was was his market value and he shouldn't sign it. VC's been incredible and insane. He signed for 800K a year. Greg and I celebrated the night VC signed. <laughs> like, we popped a bottle. It was an unbelievable. Like, we're like, why did he do that? The malpractice is VC's agent. It's not even close. Yeah, because again, as bad as Gallant was, and it's night and day difference from last year to this year, it's still important to realize that Gallant is probably a lukewarm. 50% per percentile NHL coach today where listen, they hit the jackpot with this coaching staff. Absolutely. But there are plenty of scenarios where the Rangers are just as malcontent as they were last year. Final question. Cause we answered some of the other five star questions that were asked. We kind of answered already. So this is from Allie Rangers thoughts on the Kreider Mika and Brodzinski line. Yeah, I like it. I mean, same. Do I do I know if it's going to work? Even the two games the Rangers have this week, I don't know. But I think Brzezinski deserves an opportunity. Yep, right there with you. Uh, we'll be back sometime on Wednesday. We mm. don't know. We have, we have complicated schedules this week, so sometime on Wednesday we will be back. At least by Thursday ish, BSBOT should be up, uh, and then we'll be back next week. Maybe with Steve Dangle, maybe with not. I don't know. We're going to figure it out. So <laughs> there might, there might be a Met podcast in there if they ever decide to sign anybody. Someone yeah. good, I should say. Yeah. We'll see what happens with Tani and all that stuff. Uh, so. There was a rumor today that the, it was, it's very clear. So John Heyman, the thing I love about baseball writers is you can tell 
who everyone's sources are. And it's clear that John Heyman's sources are just player agents by how he talks about certain things. So Heyman comes out today being like, you know, Mets might be interested in Blake Snell and Blake Snell might be interested in the Mets. I'm like, huh, I wonder why Blake Snell would want the Mets interested in him. What could it be? What could it be? Oh, money? Money? Oh, it's so weird. (laughs) Weird. You're not signing Blake Snell. So there's that. David Stearns isn't that dumb. No, I don't know. David Stearns is a. I don't know if you saw the uh, the anonymous agent poll. People just like jizz yeah. over yeah. David Stearns. They're like, yeah, that guy's fucking smart. He's he rules. <laughs> guy's smart. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> cool. All right, we'll be back later uh, this next week or BSBOT later this week. So we'll see you guys then. Follow me on on Twitter at O'Ramey. Follow Greg at Blue Strike. See you guys then. Bye. Love you guys. Hey, it's the end of the show. So I want to thank all of our Patreon subscribers, but specifically the NHL Insiders Club members who make. Not only my day better, but literally make this podcast run. And without them and the rest of the Patreon supporters, I could not be here doing this show every single week. So thank you. To thank you, I will mispronounce your name for the 420th. Oh my God, it's episode 420. Is it really? I just realized this. This I am keeping in. Wow. Does Vince know he's making his... <laughs> we saved him for episode 420? I didn't realize it was till now. That's super nice. Okay, without further ado, Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartulo, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gardner, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Rauner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Monturo, Anthony Tenegretta, Ari Zanger. Hey, that's a fun name. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, ben, Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lackos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Doherty, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, uh, Brian Farrell, Cassie, Cassie Roman, C. Oh. Cize, Cize, you told me how to say it, and then I just am the worst person alive. It's true. Chris Vanelli, Chris Howard, Chris Stellwagen, Conrad Predamage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dezen, David Narod, David Siegel, DJ Banana Jazz, Dylan Breschneider, Eric Stag, Garrett Rainis, Greg, <laughs> just makes me laugh, Gretzky McFly, Harrison Hasco, Hill of Vanilla, Hip of 89, Jack Bagley, Jack Grogan. Oh, it's Grogan. It's not. I thought it was Rogan. I'm sorry, Grogan, Mr. Jack. I will I will be corrected on that. Jack Helium, Jake Keith, James Masker, Jerry and Marquez, Jason Stumer, Jason Zabrowski, Jim Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Josh White, Christian Florida, Cried or Die, Lee Plummer, Leszek Gronowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Michael Koenig, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Ma- Mancuso, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, and Nikki Palms, other slash Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kojarev. No, he told dude, that's he he told me how to say his name last week. Pavel Oh shit, I said I was gonna remember it too. This is so embarrassing. He's listening too. He's gonna text me and make fun of me. Phoenix Ignition, PJ Susparo, Randy Tesser, Ryan Watch Miracle, Swigarth, Drop BK, Tommy Sequari, Tommy Tedeschi, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, Tori from Hadney Original Supporter, Vinny Bracco, Will Spectre, and Winston, the golden retriever. Bark to bark, 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 bark. I'm gonna break some hearts at the end of this show. That's right. I watched, uh, it's, the, it's the holiday spirit. It's the holiday season. And I decided to watch a Christmas movie I had not watched last night. And it wasn't Miracle. I know. I know. So I didn't watch Miracle, but I did watch Elf. And I got to just be honest with everyone of you. I didn't really get it. I didn't understand. I just like, it was hard to watch him eat a lot of syrup. It was tough. The syrup on the spaghetti was tough. There was a couple other things where I was like... I, I guess this movie's okay, but people go nuts over this movie. I, I understand the Will Ferrell affinity. I understand. I get it. A lot of hits. Fun times. 
I just uh I didn't I didn't really get it. So flame away. I will uh I'll watch Miracle soon. Happy holidays, everybody. Talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.